podcast of the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. Host myself, Joe Rossi, and co-host and vice chair of the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition, Tim Williams. something going on um, and always. always and uh, you know it's really interesting we, we seem to at the at the coastal coalition find ourselves we, you know we seem to find ourselves involved in pretty much everything out there that has to do with floods somehow this podcast will essentially take our newsletter that you as members get and if you're not a member and you're listening to this please become a member uh, which you easily can do on our website, and that's actually what we're going to start off talking about, which is our new membership program. Um, but before we get there, you know, uh, it's really important to make sure people know that this podcast um, is going to really be uh, information that the average stakeholder needs to know and understand that we put into our newsletter. We feel here at the Coast Coalition we do a really good job at taking complicated issues that affect, at the end of the day, they affect sure. everybody's pockets. You know, it's no doubt. I think it, it started just uh, as an evolution with us. It seemed like it was always started as insurance. You know, they get waters, and everyone was complaining about insurance premiums. But we've seen it's grown. The stakeholders have gotten more informative about what flood insurance is. But now we have a bigger responsibility to the stakeholders. That's, that's exactly it. You're, I, I think that, that frames it perfectly. Um, and to bring those stakeholders into the discussion um, and, and actually involve them with not just flood issues, but what we are doing in our actual organization, we've rolled out this really comprehensive membership program. And so, Tim, you know, we, Tim, myself, and two other of our board members who, and we will have uh, from time to time on this podcast, um, uh, other of our board uh, come in as guests, um, and and Tim, I you know I want you to kind of talk a little bit about because you and I are on the membership committee. We have a subcommittee Correct. that talks about membership. So so when we started working on membership about two or three years ago, you know you and I were kind of the two that um, really got involved in trying to figure out, and we went through several iterations of this. But talk a little bit about you know what membership means to you as vice chair and, and really involved not only as vice chair of the Costa Coalition but as a stakeholder yourself. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about membership. We, we always struggled as a nonprofit, the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition, of what, what, what it was going to be. I mean, how do we quantify what we're doing out there for the community? How do we take something when we're talking to legislators and we say, hey, we've been talking to people out there about issues. They're not getting their claims paid or they're getting rate increases. They don't know what's going on. That's where I think we kind of grew the membership from. That's how, how I look at it, is we needed to, to create a membership so we can track 
many stakeholders we're, we're reaching out to. So we can go to, you know, the congressmen or the senators or to the local towns and, and really reach out to them to say, hey, these are the issues that are affecting people out there. This is what we're doing. You know, or as simple as, hey, why did the maps change? Well, what is this? Where can I go to get this information? There was no central place for someone to go out there and get information when it, when it came to, you know, whether storm preparations or floods or post-disaster issues. So I think that's kind of where we were coming from as well. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point there, the post-disaster recovery. Um, and it's really interesting. You know, we, as an organization, we've always been really good at doing those outreaches. And when we did post-disaster outreaches after the March Nor'easters in 2018, you know, I don't know if you realize this, but we had set a precedent actually nationwide um, for how to respond to a disaster um, when you don't have a presidentially declared disaster for individual assistance, which we didn't. And so we had a lot of people that were without that direct uh, individual assistance after those events. Um, and so that is just part of, though, what we do and why we created this membership so that our stakeholders can be part of what we do. Another thing we did um, last year, and actually it was in December when we rolled it out fully, and we're still bringing on additional pro uh, services, which is our flood risk services. So, you know, one of the things that um, we really wanted to be able to fold into a membership was not just, hey, this is what we're doing, but this is what we're doing, and this is how we can directly affect how we help you. So, Tim, you know, talk a little bit about kind of what we have done with those flood risk services. Yes, some of the flood risk services that we put out there, we put out a, just a easiest one I would say is just a zone determination. Someone's out there, hey, what flood zone am I in? What does it mean? Um, so we, we can go on to our sites now and you can pull in an address and find out you know, what flood zone that is in. Was it in an A zone? Is it in a B zone? Is it in a non-hazard, special hazard area? Even though they all flood, you needed to know that. Or, you know, as simple as, you know, pulling up maps, mapping services which I think is one of the biggest pieces that we have on there now, is being able to, you know, look at a map, look at a property, and see where the house is and where it's located and what type of risk is involved in it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, that's, and that's a great point because the map service, which is a free service, um, it basically takes the flood hazard layers and shows you where your property is uh, on the hazard layer right on our homepage, and it's a really great service. I mean, it's, it, you look at it, it and we've overlaid it onto Google Maps. That's right. Us that are out there. So it's easy to visualize and, and see. Um, you know, we, Joe and I have been on countless different mapping services, and it's not that easy no. to determine what those maps are. You know, FEMA's is pretty difficult to make it. It better. is. But they're not there. And, yeah, and you know, it's, it's great you bring that up because the FEMA Map Service Center, which is technically the official map service right. center, they don't use Google Maps because they're not allowed to because of uh, regulatory restrictions. So when you do a geo search or you type in an address and it geolocates that building, that's not necessarily the Google, that's not as necessarily as good as the Google geo search or geolocation. So what you'll find on our service is that because we don't have those restrictions and it's also because it's not the official map, we have some uh, ability to kind of mold that service to, to fit the needs of um, our members. But um, I, I just one of the things I do want to make sure that I do is, is um, since we're talking about membership, you know, we wanted to list out just a few of those services that you get 
um, and, and benefits that you get when you do become a member. Um, and we should mention that what's the best part, Tim, about membership? Free. Free. You get to be a member for absolutely nothing. You do have to answer a few questions online, um, and you become a member, and uh, you get these great uh, offerings, which are um, access to our download site. Now, our downloads library, as you know, Tim, has been a real resource for a lot of people. A lot of professionals use it. Uh, I constantly am on there. It's one central location to grab the information you might need. That's right. Whether it's about technical assistance on where to put flood vents or mapping or where you build in a certain zone, you can grab this information and we put it in one location. Yeah, and the cool thing is we've also integrated into that downloads page some of our own custom documents that we've had, um, not just that we've created, but we've had professionally reviewed and um, dissected um, by officials and, and um, at different levels of government uh, to make sure the information is accurate and simplified. So those are on there. Um, you get the quarterly newsletter, which is what this podcast is based off of. And that quarterly newsletter, what I like about it is it's simple. It's not too long. I, I, Tim, i got to tell you, I get some newsletters that are literally, when I'm scrolling through them on my uh, email, it's like pages and pages and pages. That's not what you get from us. It might not be the most detailed information, but it gets you the resources, the direct resources you need as stakeholders. So you get the quarterly newsletter, um, and you get access to past articles, columns, and newsletters. And why that's important is because when you want to go back and say, you know, hey, well, what were they talking about? You know, we've got in our newsletter different sections that don't appear every single quarter, so you may want to go back and say, hey, what was that they were talking about a few months ago because that section's not in this newsletter. Um, You get our podcast, which is available as a member, Um, education training. Now, this is something that we've added the last couple of years. Uh, We currently do agent training um, for uh, the Mass Association of Insurance Agents, um, and we're expanding that. And by becoming a member, you get access to that education and training. Um, You get legislative input and updates. And, Tim, this is someplace where I know you've really been pushing us in a positive direction to get more involved in. So, um, uh, you know, we just had in our past, this, this past quarter's newsletter, Um, we had the um, legislative lowdown, which is a new section that as we need to, we're going to have legislative updates. Um, You get the risk services are available to everyone, but by accessing them, you become a member. Um, And the last one, I left this for last because it's something that I'm really excited about. This is where you as stakeholders become a part of what we do. You actually get a vote, a single vote at our membership meeting which is going to be held every November um, to give all of our members updates on what's going on, um, what we're doing, and give you a voice to actually start to select a slate of board members on our board of directors. Um, So, Tim, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, because I know that was something that we had kind of really looked at, um, you know, as one of the very first things we wanted to do to incorporate our stakeholders. Yeah, it's a a great way for our members to to voice their... um, Opinions in the direction of where they want the Mass Coastal Coalition to go. Um, you know, I think it's important to have the stakeholders have a voice in what we're doing and the direction of what they want us to, to focus on. Yeah, that's right. And that and that's the thing I think. And, and, I, and one of the things that I like to tell people is, you know, we are the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition, but we're so much more than just coastal. You know, our, our mission, we changed when we were changing our, our scope and, and our name because we wanted to make sure we incorporated all flood 
hazards. And we, we can't go into too much detail, but we got a lot of projects we're working on behind the scenes that incorporate a lot more than just coastal risk, coastal flood risk, which we, this is where we started, obviously, but it's not where we currently are all the time. Right. Um, so I think it's important to have those, those people that are involved in what we do um, as our members kind of help us decide, hey, you know, this is where we want to go, and, and this is what we want to do, and this is what we want you to focus on. Um, so that is our membership, and that is our membership program. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're not a member and what we've just talked about really interests you, just go to NoFlood, that's K-N-O-W, NoFlood.org. You'll see right up on the top bar, become a member. You answer about seven questions or so, and guess what? You become a member all at no cost. You get all these great benefits, um, and it, it really is an exciting time for us. Resident real estate expert Sue Sullivan. Sue, Is welcome to the new, No Flood Newscast. Why, thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Yeah, thank you. And you know, um, because the newscast is based on our newsletter, you, uh, our readers of the newsletter, um, actually see you featured every single quarter with the Sue's Flood Real Estate Tips, with a little tip here and there about what you would suggest when you're looking at it from the real estate perspective for flood. Um, now, while you're here in studio, we're actually going to kind of pick your brain a little bit more about real estate in general because it all ties together at the end of the day. So, so I know you brought some statistics with you about the local market here in Massachusetts um, and on the South Shore. Um, let's, you know, let's hear some of those more interesting statistics. Okay, so I'm happy to do that. These, these are statistics that people always enjoy hearing. Um, so I will give you a comparison. Like I'll tell you, 2018, Town of Marshfield, these are single-family home statistics. I stayed with single-family okay. homes. We sold 302 houses here in Marshfield last year. Um, as opposed to 2017, we sold 297. 2016 was a high, 340 sales. Um, but overall, the median price, interestingly enough, from 2017 to 2018 actually went down a little bit. Um, but if you look, and I'm looking at projections from as far as 10 years ago, really interesting to see how quickly a house now sells in Marshfield. The average days on market is 60 days, where, you know, back in 2009, 10, it was literally twice that. Wow, wow. Now, so very exciting. value at all? Have you seen the value decrease because it's in flood areas, or is it stay the same? Well, I, I, so I will say, um, you know, we hit bumps every now and then when we, when they right. did the remapping, that was probably the last time we had a real issue. Um, people get very concerned about do I really want to own that oceanfront home. Sure. And I have to tell you from a realtor's perspective, it just never lasts very long. Uh, people want to live by the water. Yeah, sure. They do. Right, sure. So and, and, and in your in your perspective, yes. even if the premium is extremely high for flood insurance, there's always going to be somebody that there can either afford always. it or can buy yes. cash. Absolutely. They yeah. want that waterfront home. And, you know, and I'm talking expensive homes, you know, 
500 enough, a million dollars they, they just, the premium does not stop them from purchasing insurance. Uh, you've seen a difference, Joe, as far as, and Sue, you can chime in too. The advent of private coming in upon these places along the coast, is, that's definitely, that has to help real estate. That's a great, that's in, a great question. Some, especially some of the V-Zone or A-Zone properties that have so, a higher. So I can answer that, but I want to get Sue's perspective yeah, because when you're, well, and when you're selling a house, Sue, I know yes. for a fact, because this is what we recommend to realtors, yeah. is have that policy on hand, make sure you're showing that buyer Absolutely. if you're selling the home. So when you're going into, whether you're either selling a home or you're looking with someone to buy a home, yeah. Are you seeing a lot more non-NFIP policies being shown to people or being purchased? Do you notice that? I can't say I'm seeing a lot more, Joe, but I will tell you, yes, whether I'm going in with a buyer or I'm listing a property, of course, the first thing I want to see is, is the flood policy. Yeah. Um, I will say I people are, there's still a lot of people that don't realize that there's private flood. Mm-hmm. Um Sitting with the experts that I do, all of you on the panel, I have what I've started to do and assist homeowners with is looking at their policy. Let's look at it right away, either before you list the house or if you're the buyer. Is this the best policy? Is it? Are you being charged the correct rate? Sometimes the option is a reduction by going to private. Not necessarily, but it does happen. Um, but the last one that, that I helped a homeowner with, it, they were literally just being charged way more than they should have. Yeah. Their insurance company had their basement designated, as, had their crawl space designated as a basement. Sure. They hadn't had any claims in 40 years. By the time we looked at it, we cut their flood insurance in more than, more than half. Sure. Yeah, and, and are you finding more, yeah, and because, I mean, we uh, here here at the Coastal Coalition, we really got our start, you know, almost eight years ago now, helping people through those exact same challenges. So right. have, over the years, we've seen a lot of that. Do you find more and more often as you're going to sell a home? And, and actually, before we get into that, why don't yep. you tell our listeners a little bit about your experience in the real estate market so they have an idea sure. about how professional you actually are when it comes to real estate. Absolutely. So I work for Caldwell Banker in, in the Situate Harbor office. I'm you know, one of the top agents in the office, the top, actually top 15% in the company um, internationally. Um, so I, most of my business is between Marshfield and Situate. Um, Which for our listeners in New England uh, are some of the top two loss, NFIP loss communities yes. in New England. So right. we're talking about areas that, and basically the, the point being is that we're talking about areas that are very coastal, Yes, that, are, that have a lot of flood exposure. Absolutely. Flood insurance is something. The years that I, I've been doing this now for 15 years, and it's just become more and more obvious over the years, yeah. I felt as a realtor, I really needed a deeper knowledge of flood insurance. Sure. What, what does this not, what does it mean to the sellers and the buyers? What can we do to improve their policies, their situations? Is it a modification to their house? One of the reasons I joined Marshfield Coastal Coalition, got involved with Situate, and now I'm part of Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. Yeah, so that really helps our, our listeners understand that you're you're not just looking at this, you know, anecdotally because you sell a couple homes a year. I mean, no. you're selling and looking at and being involved. Even if you're not selling the home, you're involved yes. in a lot of homes 
mindset go up on the park. Yeah, I think Sue's yeah. point to, you know, people do want to live by the water. They do. And we're seeing more and more renovation and construction and, you know, refurbishing these homes so that they're mitigated to resistance of, of storms. I'm not saying that they're not going to flood, but <laughs> they are more coastal resilient to uh, getting flood damage. And, you know, I, there are a lot of programs out there now, too, if you want to talk about, like, from the lender perspective. What are you seeing some of the homeowners out there yeah. that are going out there and doing? Exactly. And, and so to introduce that section um, in, in our newsletter, Sue, that actually is a great parlay into what your article was about yes. in our second quarter's newsletter this year, which was in 2019, which was all about um, what do you do when you've been awarded a grant? You still don't – you still have to find that money somewhere. Right. Uh, which is something that a lot of the homeowners don't realize. Yeah. Uh, you qualify, but if you're, you need to elevate your home, you need to move your utilities from the basement upstairs, whatever it is, you have to pay for that up front and then be reimbursed by the grant. Yes. Which, of course, stops a lot of the, that ties the hands of a lot of people. Um, I would say I'm going to point in the direction of those that maybe haven't been in their home all that long and they don't have a lot of equity. Um, how, what do they do? So one of the organizations that I wrote the article about this past month is called Helping Hands Community Partners, um, nonprofit organization. I'm going to reference Megan Coleman. Uh, she is in the article here. Um, but that's place you can turn to actually get the financing. What they do is they base it on the approved um, number for the house. Um, so I reference a story here in Marshfield where it is a split-level home. Um, what they needed to do to really improve their flooding situation and the cost of their flood insurance was moving utilities up um, and basically turning that lower level into more of a, a crawl space situation. Sure which is what they did with the funds from Helping Hands, and now they're um, you know, seeing a much, a much better flood situation yeah. and a much better flood insurance premium. So that, prog and, and so that program you're referencing is the 203K yes. loan program that actually the Association for State Floodplain Managers last year or the year before came out with official guidance talking exactly about what you're talking right. about, which is using that program yes. to do mitigation projects. So, so what you're seeing it's out there is excellent. people are using it for that pro that type of work. Which I think is just it's so that's just so great. It's yeah. a great opportunity for the homeowner. Yeah, exactly. You know, they want to be able to do this, but if you do not have the money in your bank account yeah. while you wait to be reimbursed from the grant, what do you do? So what now with that being done, what do you see the sale potential to be uh, on that home? A I lot better? On, I absolutely. And I think it's just an opportunity for those in flood zones to make the improvements we all want to see them make. Now, Tim, last year, earlier this year, I was a guest on WBUR to talk about a report that came out that showed that as floods increase over the next decades, coming decades, sure. because of the different climate issues we have, it's actually either will or has already caused depreciation in the value of structures. So one of the topics that we talked about when I was on air was what is the, what is the market, the real estate, how is the real estate market, is it reacting to that? And if it, in whether it is or isn't, what is the saleability comparison between homes that are mitigated and non-mitigated, right? Is there a market, a better market for homes that are elevated and are those prices higher 
versus the homes that are non-elevated that have a higher flooding potential. So, so I, I, there, the study didn't go into those types of details. Mm -hmm. It just looked at valuations and what they could do over time based on increased flooding. So we can only take an anecdotal look at this. But Sue, from your, since you are the real estate expert, um, what do you, are you seeing a market for elevated structures or those that have been mitigated versus those that haven't been or may have a loss history associated with without, them? Without question, Joe. You are seeing it much more often, homes that are mitigated, elevated, um, and they are, they're so much more appealing to a buyer. I mean, they really do, a buyer, even those that want to live on the water, understand that there are flood risks, they would like to pay a, a reasonable premium and have the house elevated and, and, and not worry about the water coming through the living room. So is the average? Absolutely more appealing. Yeah. And yes, I would say if they sell quicker for a higher value, absolutely. Is the average buyer now more educated about that issue? They are. They definitely are, and they're eager to hear what you ha have to inform them on it. You know, they certainly have the questions. Um, it is one of the reasons I've had you make those cards for me, Joe. I need them. <laughs> I need them at my open house. I will say, I, I, I will I, say that the one thing that I think a lot of our stakeholders out there, when they hear of mitigation, they think of an ugly home that's renovated and thrown up point. on piers. Yep, mm. great point. You know, and, and I, I, if it's done correctly, the oh, value of the absolutely. home, you would never know that it's been mitigated and elevated and and you know, maybe and they have garages underneath and they have vents. There's, there's yep. many things that the stakeholders can go out there and do. That's a great point, Sue. Right. Do you see that with, and I know we have a I board, do. we have one of our board members has a home right next to another home. One is elevated, one isn't, and you almost can't tell the difference because of the way that the elevated home was structured. Ab absolutely. It's put up on the pilings, and then, you know, there's some sort of a facing around it, so water can flow through, but you're not looking at, like, these big sticks in the air and the yeah. house sitting on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, they'll create, right, like you said, some kind of parking underneath. I mean, in, in underneath, I think of... Off the top of my head, Oceanside Drive is just one in, in, in situate mass. Yeah. So many of them have done it, and it's just it's done tastefully, and, and you really wouldn't know the difference. Sure. Yeah. So to our listeners, to kind of uh, sum up uh, this, this quarter's uh, real estate tip, yeah. what else do you want them to know from the perspective of real estate in regards to mitigation, checking your policy and elevations? So the one thing I would recommend, and I would re recommend this to everybody, we all do, uh, you know, annually, it's a bill that you get, your insurance for your car, your flood, your home, we just pay it. We don't necessarily look it over, have it checked. Wow, should you do that with your flood insurance? Yeah. Um, it really, have, an, have another company, somebody that's more of a flood expert to look it over. You know, How many policies do you see that you get checked and there's something that gets fixed? Um, I would say it's got to be 80% of them, wow. maybe higher. Wow. Yeah, wow. And I as mean, Tim, Tim and I, as insurance specialists, I think we would say, and Tim, I'll let you kind of go on this, I, I would say we see similar issues. Yeah, there, there are similar issues, uh, you know, and part of it is, um, and it's not, I won't pick on insurance agents because there, there are ones that don't do it all the time. That's right. Yeah. And they, they're in it doing auto, they're doing home, and they're doing a lot of that, and they're relying on the back offices or they're not getting the right information from the real estate agent to, to rate it correctly in the first place. I have to um, tell a story, Nathan. 
Okay. <laughs> so, so, no, I mean, that's just it's part of that. So go with it. Go with the story. I, I, honestly, I agree. And it's part of the reason that I try to have that extra bit of knowledge, which I definitely yeah. have sitting on this wonderful board. Um, I'm going to just, I won't say anyone specific, but it was a policy that a homeowner showed me. I, it just didn't make sense to me after listening to what I listened to. The number was way too high. She hadn't had a claim in 40 years. And we just, she just been paying it. When we went to the insurance company, I called them with permission from her to discuss it. We got looking at it, and that alone meant she could increase her deductible. And that really reduced it. And then we looked a little bit further about how they were designating it. So I don't think that they were doing anything diabolical, but they hadn't really looked sure. until we started, I started talking to her and we started questioning it. We went from 3600 a year to 1700 a year. That was huge yeah. when you're turning around to sell your home. And the last thing I have to say, though, yes. is for those homeowners that pay their mortgage off and they're so excited you've paid it off and you don't have to pay for flood anymore, please, whatever you do, do not completely cancel your policy. You lose all your grandfathering. And if you just keep the smallest policy, you're protecting your investment. Somebody at some point, it may not be you, it may be your heirs, if they go to sell your, your property and you've just canceled that policy altogether, your FEMA policy, you're going to, by the time you go to sell, you're going to pay so much more sure. for blood We've seen that happen recently with the storms of 2018. Exactly. Yep. We've had countless stories in City Quincy and you know, other areas of Massachusetts where people have paid off their mortgage and gotten rid of their Just policy. keep a little policy Before going. find out they've been flooded. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. Well, Sue, thanks so much for coming in for uh, your, your segment here on your real estate tips. Uh, we'll have you in uh, next quarter uh, to talk a little bit more about whatever story that you come across next. And I think that's the great thing about your stories each quarter is you never run out of them because of all the stuff you see.